The It's All Journalism podcast recently celebrated our 600th episode. To mark the occasion, we're going to be giving away a limited number of our It's All Journalism mugs. On February 1st, we'll randomly draw names from our newsletter subscription list and mail the winners their very own mug. If you're already a subscriber to our weekly email newsletter, you don't need to do anything. But if you're not a subscriber, go to itsalljournalism.com to sign up for our newsletter and make yourself eligible for our February 1st drawing. Again, thank you very much for supporting our podcast. Go to itsalljournalism.com, sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and who knows, maybe you'll be drinking your morning coffee or tea or beverage of your choice using one of our It's All Journalism mugs. Every story you write in news, you go an hour later, a week later, a month later, a year later, and you're like, why did I do this, this, this? It's because that's how you get things done. Like if you question and tinker, you'll never finish something. Many journalists point to a love of writing as one of the factors that led them to a career in journalism. Today, I talked to a radio reporter about how she pursued that dream and what it took for her to write her first novel. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Christina Estes is an Emmy Award-winning senior field correspondent for KJZZ, the national public radio station in Phoenix, Arizona. She's also the author of Off the Air, a mystery novel that was inspired by her career as a broadcast journalist. Christina, welcome to It's All Journalism. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I'm really excited and thrilled to be here to be able to talk about local news. Okay, cool. Well, first of all, you reached out to us, and I think you're the first guest we've ever had on who we're going to be talking to because they wrote a book, a fiction book, as opposed to maybe a nonfiction book about news. But we thought that there were some interesting angles to this, uh, so that's why we wanted to have you on. So let's back up a little bit. What got you first interested in uh, broadcast journalism? Well, I've always loved reading and writing. When I was young, I wrote poems and short stories. But I never really saw anybody that pursued writing as a profession. But I certainly saw reporters on TV and I heard them on the radio and I read them in newspapers. So I think that's what sort of sent me on the journalism path. And I have spent most of my career in local TV news, mostly in Phoenix. And then I moved into public radio about eight years ago. Cool. So you're a senior field correspondent for a local NPR station. What does that job entail? Well, I'm fortunate to work at a station where I can actually cover stories that interest me and stories that I feel are valuable and matter to the community. I actually created a beat at the station where I work, which is focused on city government. And a lot of people will kind of roll their eyes at that. And I think it's fascinating because there's no level of government that impacts our daily lives more than local government. So I mean, I live and work in Phoenix, so I care about what's happening and I care about the decisions that are being made. And so do hopefully 1.6 million other people who live in Phoenix. Or a reasonably good percentage of them who, who seek you out to get that news. Well, you mentioned in the beginning of local news, there's been a contraction of local news around the country. And I know that a lot of times the local public radio station is picking up some of that news slack. What's been the situation in, in and around Phoenix? I'll tell you what, I've been in Phoenix now for more than 20 years, and it is disheartening to say the least to see what's happened in terms of local news coverage. When I first came here, it was the late 90s, and 
everybody in commercial broadcast media chased the newspaper because that was it. People got the newspaper every day. The newspaper was fully staffed and doing investigative stuff. I mean, they had multiple people covering local government. And that has changed, not only in Phoenix, but across the country. And it's really devastating and quite sad. And I think it's harmful for our society and certainly harmful for people who care about news and want to go into the business and to tell stories about the community that matter. Again, I work for the local public radio station. And because our business model is different, we don't rely on advertisers. We we rely on members and members are people who care enough about the coverage that we do and the news and information we provide that they give us donations. And of course, we also count on corporate underwriters and that sort of thing, but we don't play commercials and we're not, the good news is you won't hear any of the uh, political ads coming up in Arizona over the next several months. So we have a different business model. It doesn't mean that it's an easy business model, but I love it because I feel very connected to our audience because they care enough about what we're doing to actually open their wallets or to support us in other ways that they can. Have you had the experience of listeners coming up to you and talking to you about the fact that you may be the only person covering your particular story? Absolutely. And that's what keeps me going. You know, when I'm like, is anybody out there? Absolutely. It's, you'll make me tear up. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I went to a board of supervisors meeting here in Northern Virginia. It wasn't the big meeting. It was one of their committee meetings. And I went there because somebody was going to be speaking and I wanted to talk to him at the meeting. And, and I showed up there and you would have thought I was like a caveman. Everybody came up to me like, what are you doing here? You know, what are you covering? And I'm like, I just came to this meeting. It sort of put emphasis on it to me, just, you know, how few journalists are out there and what it means if you lose that level of oversight of local government. It's kind of sad. People do come up and talk to me about it. People thank me for covering something or they compliment a story. And, you know, I thank them for that. But then on the other hand, I say, you know, part of the reason this is, is because I'm one of the only handful of journalists that will still around in this county covering these things. And that's problematic. So it absolutely is. It is unfortunate when a reporter shows up to a public meeting that people are automatically like, what's the bad thing that happened? Why are you here? Who are you trying to catch? And yeah, I'm with you. And the committee meetings and the subcommittee meetings, that's where the stuff is talked about. And that's where you make the connections with the neighborhood leaders and with the people who are actually doing the work. Precisely. Precisely. Do you have a secret love for land use stories? <laughs> As oh I gosh. do. Well, we are in Phoenix. So we are always, not always, but for the past many years, been among the fastest growing cities. So yeah, we have lots of land use issues out here as far as housing and our population growth. Yeah. Again, that's another level of sort of reporting that, that you don't see because you don't, ha you, you don't have the same depth of, of reporting in a certain community. So you're a broadcast journalist. What inspired you to write a, a novel rather than a nonfiction book about your reporting experiences? Maybe because I deal with real life too much. <laughs> I have always loved mysteries. And so I've, I've never lost that love of mysteries. And I really love crime fiction because it's so diverse. You know, you can have cozy mysteries, which are no cursing, no violence, no sex, nothing graphic on the page to psychological suspense, to action-packed thrillers. And some of my very favorite authors are current or former reporters. So Michael Connolly is a former newspaper reporter. He has three series I love that are based in LA. John Sanford is a former newspaper reporter, and he writes a couple of Minneapolis-based series. 
Hank Philippi Ryan is a investigative reporter in Boston, a TV reporter, and she also really inspired me to write. So apparently I'm not the only one in the journalism field that really enjoys writing mysteries and um, uses that knowledge to, to hopefully tell good stories. So did the idea to write this book, did it come out of your writing? I know it, or your day-to-day -day reporting, is it something that inspired you to write it? So there were actually two sort of, not aha moments, because I think aha moments really mean you got <laughs> it. But many years ago, I read, I'm holding this book. It's called Edge of Evil by J.A. Jantz. And the first time I read this book, J.A. Jantz writes several series based in Arizona, mystery series. So I'm reading Edge of Evil, and it is the first book I read where there were actual real locations in Phoenix and in Arizona that resonated with me. Like there was an intersection not far from where I live that was referenced. And it was just like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. And not only that, but the main character in this novel, I came to find out by the author, J.A. Jance, who I'm so, so honored, endorsed my book off the air. She read it and gave what they call a blurb, which is on the front cover. But J.A. Jance was inspired by her favorite TV news anchor in Tucson, Arizona. That's how she created the character for this book. So that really planted the seed. And then it was like years later, I read Hank Ryan's series about a Boston reporter. And I really got to thinking, maybe I could write a book about a Phoenix reporter. There you go. So tell me a little bit about the book. I mean, you say it's a mystery. What is the mystery? You know, how are you drawing people in? Off the Air introduces Jolene Garcia. She is a local TV reporter in Phoenix, trying to cover real issues in a society that is, seems at least, obsessed with clicks and viral videos. When a controversial radio talk show host dies on air, Jolene's managers are thrilled. They're ecstatic because she had the last interview with this guy. So, I mean, they're, come on, promoting the max out of that. They think they've got this great advantage on this story that's blowing up because this guy was big time controversial. Well, their advantage didn't last very long because national media descend upon Arizona. They bring bigger budgets, get better scoops. And Jolene ends up finding herself fighting for not only her job, but her life. Interesting. Interesting. You work in helicopter journalism. That's really good. <laughs> yes. The... <laughs> Well, I've worked in Phoenix quite a while and we do attract some national media. So there's some couple digs there. <laughs> yeah. And that's always a great thing when like it used to be when the Washington Post covered our area a bit more, you would go to a meeting and out of the blue a Washington Post reporter would show up and everybody would go to them and, and talk to them. And even though we've been there every day for every meeting, you know, suddenly all the attention is there because it's the Washington Post. They're the stars, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little bit different than though, but then you have the other thing of, you know, national correspondence coming in to cover a story. So what were you able to imbue Jolene Garcia, your main character, to, who would be a reporter that someone would recognize? What characteristics do you think you, you put in there? Jolene is 29 years old. She grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest. Jolene is a really creative based on my professional as well as my personal experience, my personal experience as a former foster parent. So she has a background that I care deeply about. Like I said, like me, she grew up in the Midwest. And when she came to Phoenix, she completely felt like a fish out of water, not only because of her background. And she felt like she was working with a lot of people who came from, let's say, upper middle income, what she sees as more stable family and more 
loving environments. But she also feels like a fish out of water because she came from the Midwest. And it's pretty different when you are plopped into Phoenix where you've never been before. It's a different landscape. It's sort of a different mentality. So I'm able to, I hope, help people understand that she feels like an outsider, yet she's very passionate about her job and wants to report real stories that matter, while at the same time, internally, there's sort of a B story going on. So the A story is the big mystery. That's the hook that hopefully gets people interested in reading the book. And then there's always a B story in novels, which is really the internal story about the main character. In Jolene's case, it's about recognition. I mean, we all need recognition, right? I'm talking to you. I want you to recognize I wrote this book. Jolene also needs recognition. And it's really how much you need or where you get it or where you don't get it that makes all the difference. Yeah. So is this your first, I know you mentioned that you've done poetry and writing before. Is this your, this your first novel? Is this your first foray into fiction as an adult? Michael, don't give me too much credit with the poetry and short stories. I mean, when I said I was younger, I met like elementary school and middle school. So yes, this is my first published novel and ooh, it was a journey. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. I mean, I've spoken to many journalists who, you know, love writing and, you know, some of them think, well, maybe at some point I'll write a, a novel like you. I mean, tell me about the process. You know, how long did it take? You know, how did you structure things and follow through? Michael, one day I said, I'm going to write a book and voila, 15 years later, it is going to hit the shelves. <laughs> So the sequel is going to be another 15 years. Yeah. No, absolutely go not. I'm working on one right now. Yeah. No, it was a lot of starting and stopping and starting and stopping and a zillion rejection emails in between. And I made the mistake of thinking I'm a reporter. I write every day. I can write a book. Come on. How hard can it be? Well, it is hard. It's a completely different beast. You know, I may get 30 seconds or three minutes to tell a news report, that's completely different from writing a 300-page novel. And I don't know why I was so dense about that. Um, I could have saved many years, I think, had I not come to that realization sooner and realized that I needed to learn before I could write. Yeah, I have not written a, <laughs> a novel, but I did write a book. I'd never written anything that long. And it's sort of the difference between like swimming in the, the Olympic-sized pool and crossing the, the Bering Sea. <laughs> that that <laughs> there's so much that you don't really understand about the process of writing something long. The pace is really different. You have to think about it in different ways because when you're writing, you know, maybe something that's 4,000, 5,000 words in your mind, you can sort of get your head around that. And these are the steps I need to get to that, but the structure is all different. That's the thing I discovered. And I was doing, like I said, a nonfiction book. I would imagine it'd be even stranger or more different writing a novel. How did you, how did you motivate yourself to do it? Well, not well if it took 15 years, right? Clearly. <laughs> but now, but I have to tell you, I'm super motivated now. I, I was very fortunate to receive the Tony Hillerman Prize for Best First Mystery Set in the Southwest. And so for people who don't know, Tony Hillerman's novels feature Navajo Nation police officers. It's a mystery series. It was considered the first regional books series that became national bestsellers. And so that prize was created to support authors writing about the Southwest. So that is how I landed my publishing deal. Yay. So grateful for that. 
Um, now that I have it, my whole goal has always been to write a series. So I am already working on the sequel. Now I forget your question because now I'm rambling, which is what I didn't want to do no, for you. No, that's okay. That's okay. No, I mean, the actual act of writing, you know, what were you surprised at? You know, how different was it from what you were, what you're used to doing? Oh my gosh. So different. <laughs> Because I'm a reporter and I'm right. Reporters observe things and report things. Off the air is written in first person. So it is Jolene telling the story. It's not me as a reporter telling the story. And so I had to like close that distance because as a reporter, you do have a wall. I mean, I care about the people I talk to. My goodness, sometimes they tell you really hurtful things, emotional things. So you care about them, but you can't you don't necessarily write it from their perspective and off the air being written in first person needs to be from the perspective of the reporter, not the perspective of a report. And so I, I really had to dig into creating a character that I cared about. And when I was early writing it, I didn't really care about her. I'm an idiot. I was like writing a story about a 29 year old reporter. I wish I had been. Well, that would have been like perfect, right? Like <laughs> if I could have been the perfect 29-year-old porter, well, no one wants to read about a perfect main character in a mystery. Like everybody has flaws and you have to have them or everybody has some sort of backstory that impacts how they work, how they live. And so I had to create a backstory for Jolene and that was really painful for me because yeah, I made it about what I experienced as a foster parent. So that was tough. And once I did that, hopefully I won't cry it again. Once I did that, I was able to care more and to sort of take on Jolene as I'm writing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And I wonder, because I know, for example, you can, you know, maybe read like a long Rolling Stone or Atlantic piece where there's a lot of description, it's nonfiction, and you're getting to know actual people. And that's part of the storyteller's craft in that, but they're real people. I tried to write, <laughs> I tried to write fiction a long time ago and I got to the point where I was like, I'd just much rather report something than to make stuff up because I felt better about it. You know, what do you, what would you tell somebody, you know, reporter out there, young reporter, older reporter who thinks I want to try this, this fiction thing. I have a dream of writing something longer and that's not nonfiction. One thing that I really love about Off the Air is that it gave me an opportunity to not only help create a character that I think isn't always seen in the most realistic way, and I not only mean local TV reporter, but I also mean somebody who experienced foster care as a child and then was raised by her grandmother. But it's also about taking readers behind the scenes of local news so that they can better understand what local journalists go through, not just covering a story on a daily basis under deadline, but the newsroom politics and the corporate cutbacks that just seem to keep coming and coming and coming. And I was also able to include relationships that, that ring true to many local journalists. I mean, I made lifelong friends in TV news. Like we've known each other for decades and Many have moved on to different careers and they live in different states, but we have this unique connection because working in local news is different. It's different than an office job. And I feel like there's sort of a, I don't know if fraternity is the right word. It just, 
it seems to be you're part of a group or a club that even if you didn't work from somebody, somebody directly in local news, if you find out that they worked in local news, there's sort of a an instant sort of connection. And so I love to be able to share that and to acknowledge we have thousands of people working in more than 200 TV markets across the U.S. And so I want them to hopefully see themselves in some realistic, although it is fiction, <laughs> some realistic situations and, and hopefully readers get a better understanding of what we do. That's actually a, a nice aspect of, of this that I hadn't thought about until you brought it up that I've talked to other people about this idea. Part of what we need to do is explain, we need to be a better job of, do a better job of explaining our careers and who we are and why we're doing things the way we do them. I think, you know, and part of that, I think probably fits into what, what you're talking about in describing, you know, the type of people who work in newsrooms, those relationships and the sort of the struggles and the, the trials that they face. So you say this, you're, you're thinking about doing a, a series of these. Do you have a, an idea about how many books you, you may want to write? Many. I really want to see my main character, Jolene Garcia, evolve. And in my mind, I already have some, I have like a three book arc, a personal arc for her, which involves some of her backstory. And oh my gosh, there's no shortage of new stories that I can have her cover for sure. <laughs> So, you know, what advice would you give to another journalist who might, who loves writing, who might be really thinking about writing a novel? What, you know, what advice would you give them? I am really new in the publishing industry. So probably I'm not the best person to look for advice, but I will happily share what has helped me learning the craft of writing. That is really, really important. Understanding that it's completely different from writing new stories and learning that there are lots of great books out there. I also take advantage of attending author events in person at local bookstores where I'm able to ask questions of them about their writing process and their challenges. I mean, it's like a masterclass. It's, it's amazing, these authors that I can ask questions to. Not more than one or two because I don't want to hog the time, but <laughs> I'm not a reporter on the scene there. I'm a reader. But if you don't have access to in-person author events, go online. That is been one of the positives of the pandemic, right? That you and I are able to do what we're doing right now. And bookstores do the same thing. There are lots of interviews with authors online that you can listen to and learn from and certainly read books, figure out why you like those books. Is it because somebody is great at writing dialogue? Are they great at like setting the scene? Are they great at dropping clues throughout the book? And then when you finish, you're like, oh my gosh, of course it was there, but somehow I missed it. All of that helps me. And those are all things that I've picked up from other people. So, you know, I'm not laying any groundbreaking advice here. It's just things that I've picked up along the way and continue to do. That was supposed to be an ending story, but now you reminded me of one other thing that I wanted to sort of expound on. Tell me about, or wanted you to expound on your process for writing a novel. You know, how is it different? You know, how much time do you dedicate to it? You know, what time of day do you write? You know, those types of things. I am still trying to figure out my process, Michael, again, because I'm new to this. I do need an outline. I do need to know how to start something and how I think it's going to end and maybe a couple of things that will happen in the middle. That's not much. And I really do am working with this sequel on creating a better, more developed outline so that I feel more confident going into the writing process. And it will always change, right? Like you're never going to 
have an outline and it's exactly how your book's going to turn out because it just doesn't happen that way. Your mind and your characters go different places and things pop up. And But having a more detailed outline, I think, would help me in terms of confidence going into writing. And then once you're done with the first draft, not having to rewrite like huge chunks, you know, tossing out 50 pages because it makes no sense at all or that sort of thing. So that's what I want to work on. And also really trying to carve daily time if possible to writing. It's tough to juggle. Everybody has to juggle a zillion things in their life and having a full-time job and writing and then other things that come up in the world can be challenging. And so I am really trying to this year really commit to carving a niche of time each day. Well, when you wrote the first book, I know you said that it took you 15 years to do it, but when you when you were writing it, when you're getting it ready for publication, did you turn to your old journalism friend, i.e. the deadline? Were you setting deadlines for yourself? I can only imagine now you're doing deadlines for your next book. Well, the publisher sets a deadline for you. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like in a newsroom, you have a deadline. And oh my gosh, I'm glad that you actually brought that up. I have discovered a friend actually in journalism just reminded me of this the other day is that I'm getting fearful about the book coming out. I mean, I'm excited, but you're also terrified because now it's not your book anymore, right? It's lived in your head for years, but now whoever reads it is gonna bring whatever experiences they have in their life to the book. And they may not like it. And that terrifies me because I really love my main character. And I feel like as I'm working on the second one, oh, I think I could have done this or I could have done that. And my friend said, you know what, hold on. like. That's how you are with every news story too, right? Like every story you write in news, you go an hour later, a week later, a month later, a year later, and you're like, why did I do this, this, this? It's because that's how you get things done. Like if you question and tinker, you'll never finish something. And it's sort of the same way with a book. I mean, I do hope it does come across as a complete finished comprehensive book that I feel confident about because no way the publisher would publish it if it was a mess. But it's challenging. Basically, the short answer, Michael, is the publisher gives you a deadline. And even when the deadline passes, I tried this. I emailed my editor. I was like, do you think we could change? And she was like, nope, too late. So the presses have got a role. Yes. And believe it or not, I'm not the only author in the publishing world. So <laughs> they don't stop it for me. <laughs> yeah, you're on the merry-go-round. Once your horse gets around to the stop or you jump off, if you don't jump off, you're, you're going to be stuck on there until you come around again. I've been talking to Christina Estes, a senior field correspondent at KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona, about her new book, her first novel, Off the Air. Christina, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Love local news. Thank you. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who report the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. To make sure you don't miss an episode of It's All Journalism, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco is our audio producer. Amber Healy writes our web content. Amelia Brust is our booking manager. Steph Thomas manages our social media. 
Nick Dupre composed our theme music. Carolyn Belefsky designed our logo. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.